passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not happy with doing it, What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Johnson's Idol Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest comes all the way from down under. It is Matt Young, vocalist of King Parrot, and with me, as always, not that far away, Daniel Terry. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, man. Yeah, I think I'm only like a six-hour drive away from greatness, so... Yeah, there I mean, go. it's uh, it's not like the six-hour time difference that there was between Matt and I, but uh, I think it was actually, I think it was a little bit more than that. Yeah, where, I don't remember. I didn't catch where he was. Uh, where he was based out of was it? Uh, it wasn't Melbourne, was it? I'm totally blanking at this point. Okay, yeah, but it's I, a big, I, it's a big continent. Well, I do believe that because uh, I tried getting an interview when I first was starting this podcast over a year ago. Uh, I wanted to get Wayne Slats, uh, Slattery, oh, yeah. uh on their bass player because, and I mentioned it in the interview. Um, he is kind of like a, a consultant for a very big company uh, out there. Like, you know, he's in as much as he's in music magazines and so forth. He's actually also in like business things. And, you know, you mean is, he has a job that actually pays. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it definitely <laughs> seems that way. I, I, I can't really speak to his financials uh, or anything like that. But I remember when I found when he was suggested to me on LinkedIn and I saw this, I was like, holy fuck, I need to have you on the podcast just to talk about the duality of your actual like your real job versus your your side job, I guess. Right. (laughs) But I mean, you definitely wouldn't. Most people wouldn't think that anyone in a grind band is going to be very like uh, I'm not going to say educated would be the word, but I I don't think they would expect that person to have a, a rather, you know, good paying job. Yeah, no, there's a certain, there's definitely a certain meathead mentality that people throw on, on people just because they like grind or they play grind <laughs> in this particular case. And uh, no, man, I mean, some of the people, uh, some of the people that play grind are some of the smartest people I've I've met. I mean, look at uh, look at Barney Greenway from Napalm Death. Have you ever read their lyrics? No, can't say it's that like it's actually like really fucking like insightful shit. Like, like really well written. It's not like I fucked your mother and then peed on her face. You know, like it's not that. Like, um, it really at all. And in a lot of a lot of grindcore bands that I found, the ones that I like the most typically tend to have lyrics that are more um, either socially aware or just like deep and introspective. And there's more of it out there than you think. Not that deep and introspective equals good business person. There's a certain ruthlessness, <laughs> I would think, that would come with that. So really, like, doing well in the business world might actually be the most metal thing that you could do. Like, you might have to have that personality. Right. No, definitely. I, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, if you've ever seen the King Parrot Dudes live or if you've ever talked to any of the guys in the band, I mean, they're all sweethearts, first and foremost. But beyond that, it's just, uh, it's a very interesting group of guys, uh, like we said in the interview, Squiz likes to uh, play in his underwear. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of funny because, like, Matt Slats, uh, when he plays, he kind of has, like, a bit of, like, a Gigi Allen thing going on where he just kind of, like, stares off. But, like, you're not sure if he's looking at you or yeah. past you. But 
it, it's it's very intense and interesting. They're just a very interesting and eclectic group. And, uh, you know, like I said, they're just some of the nicest guys. And, you know, Matt gave me about an hour that we talked. And I think we kind of covered a lot of different shit. I mean, I didn't mean to talk so much about the hardships of being a band from Australia. But, I mean, how can you not? Because, I mean, it really is a unique obstacle, hurdle, whatever you want to say, in and unto itself. I mean, like he's <laughs> like I kind of asked is like, you know, do, do you just assume when you're abandoned from Australia, you're just like, well, this is as good as it's ever going to get. Well, yeah, what intrigued me was I was just like, you know, if you want to go play in another town, you're looking at like a 10 hour, you know, 11 hour drive. And I'm like, shit, you know, when I was in a band here in St. Louis, it, you know, if we got a call from Nashville to go play, we're like, all right, well, we'll be there by, you know, we'll be there by rush hour. You know, we'll be there in five hours. Not a big, not a big deal, you know. Right. But like, yeah, a 10, 11 hour trip just to play in, you know, the next town over is a little, uh, that's a little rough, man. And yeah, like geographically, they're kind of fucked, you know, from every angle as far as being able to get out there. Like, and I think they could maybe become a smash hit in Australia, but actually getting over to the U.S., you know. Um, no, I like, I, I'm a nerd for that kind of stuff. Like tour talk, you know, like how, yeah. how, how did you get from where you are, where you were to where you are now? And it was kind of the same thing with like a uh, 36 crazy fist coming from Alaska, you know, how, how they kind of had the same geographical, like they can't drive anywhere. Like they have to fly out, <laughs> you know, to get, you know, I mean, I guess they could drive it, but like, you know, to drive all the way through basically another continent in order to play a show in Cincinnati or, something, you know, is a little, <laughs> it's a little much. And, uh, I think with 36 though, they did relocate and yeah, they went not... to Oregon. Yeah. So that, that makes the most amount of sense. Right. And, uh, but yeah, with, with, uh, with them being from Australia and then being signed, you know, on Phil's label, uh, house courts, you know, uh, it's interesting, uh, to see how, you know, they're going to be bringing them out, uh, here and i know they've been to the u.s a few times as well um they're definitely not an unknown band over here and that i think that's why you really brought that up in the talk because it's just kind of so interesting that they could be that far away from them from a, a place where they're actually getting relatively well known right well that and the other thing too is like it seems like every band they were playing with like i mean love him or hate him i mean jesse leach sometimes in reading the comments on the dude, a lot of people are like, this dude flip-flops and is whatever he wants to be one day, and I'm a punk rock oi dude one day, and next thing you know, I'm all about grindcore, and this day I'm about, you know, whatever. And that's fine. I mean, as you're going to see when uh, if you subscribe to our Patreon episode that we're about to do as soon as we're done with this, uh, you're going to find that a lot of people aren't necessarily stuck to one genre. And to me, it's like when seeing Jesse championing you know, Code Orange when they did a couple shows of them and then King Parrot, like he was super high on King Parrot. And it's like, that's a good look. Like you get a dude who has the influence to put other people onto your band. And I mean, how is that not a good thing? And I mean, that's the thing in and of itself, like you're on house core, which, you know, Phil doesn't sign garbage metal or extreme metal bands. There's always something unique and interesting about every band, whether it be, you know, child bite or, uh king parrot at this point and a lot of the other bands that are on phil's label there's always something unique and different unto each band so when you go see a, like a housecore tour you're not going to get the same thing from any one band but there's yet there is something that is similar enough that carries everything over and i think that's just the extremes that everyone is willing to push the music but having someone like jesse from Killswitch or any of those kinds of people i think you know obviously is going to do nothing but put people on your music and, and hopefully they they enjoy it as much as the person that's championing them 
Yeah, I think people are a little hard on Jesse. I mean, who who's not musically diverse? You know what I mean? Like even like even on my other podcast, I mean, as you've seen, John, we we kind of go all over the map as far as you know. I mean, granted, we kind of still keep it metal uh, when we can, <laughs> but like just metal by itself is still like a huge like. Uh, a huge cornucopia of different sounds and, and different styles. You know, one week it's like ACDC, the next week it's like, you know, fucking Pig Destroyer. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, you can go all over the map. So it, I don't think it's fair to be like, oh, well, he flip-flops a lot. One day he's into this and the next day he's into that or whatever. It's like, you know, every day I wake up and want to listen to something different. Right. No, totally. And speaking of listening to something different, let's get into our conversation with Matt Young. And enjoy the smooth, sultry voice of the fine Australian man himself. We'll talk to you later. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. Sorry, I haven't got my video on. I'm uh, driving my car. No worries. <laughs> oh, man. How you doing? Good. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Uh, last few times you've come around, you uh, keep uh, playing out in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, we haven't been there for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we're, I don't think we've actually played in Detroit itself. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, there was... I mean, I know there's obviously the date that you guys played here with, uh, what was it, Weed Eater and uh, uh, Child Boy, because you stayed here at my house, but... Uh, yeah! I'm trying to think beyond that, like, I, I feel like you typically play out in Detroit area, I thought. We played in Lansing. Okay, at... Uh, and we played in yeah. Grand Rapids, we played in, um... Uh, and what's the place that Steven Seagal's from? Is that Lansing? No. <laughs> I mean, you said Lansing, but I think you played at Max Bar, uh, unless yeah, for some uh, reason you ended up at the Loft down the street. And then, yeah, we played in Flint before as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So we've we've peppered the area, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna kind of keep it brief. Just I don't know how long they told me that I had. Like they didn't give me a time frame, but typically I try to get about 30 minutes. Uh, if that's no fun. worries, man. All right, cool. Because I know it, I know it's late your time. <laughs> No, it's nine o'clock in the morning. What the fuck? Your publicist, I thought, said it was almost like three or four o'clock in the morning your time. No, no, it's nine o'clock in the morning, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to do one of these with <laughs> slats a long time ago, and just the, Jesus Christ, the time difference was a pain in the ass. What time is it over there now? Uh, it's going to be seven o'clock here, p.m. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, great, man. Well, I've got a bit of a drive ahead of me, man, so I've got, okay. I've got time. All right. <laughs> Well, I have the pleasure this uh, early evening on a Friday, the last day of August, talking with Mr. Matt Young of King Parrot. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Just, uh, yeah, having a, having a good start to the day, actually, and looking forward to coming over to the States on, uh, I think we leave on Tuesday morning. How, I gotta say, how, how long of a flight is it for you, for you all to get over here? Um, so we, there's a direct flight now from Melbourne to Los Angeles, which is, um, I think it's about 11 or 12 hours. Fuck something like that. That. 
<laughs> yeah, and then usually, and then we we're flying down to uh, New Orleans to right. start the tour. So um, yeah, we have a, a layover for a couple of hours, and then yeah, it's yeah three 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 or four hours I think from LA to New Orleans. So yeah. I mean, I've I've done a handful of flights from like here in Michigan over to the coasts and so forth, and you know, yeah. four to five hours of smelling people's farts and baby shits and stuff like that, and I'm I'm pretty much ready to get out of a, that little cyl- cyl- cylindrical tube. I can't imagine yeah. like another like seven or eight hours on top of that. Yeah, man, it's uh, well, you, the way they do it is you usually leave. Uh, I think our flight leaves at about eleven o'clock or something, and then. You know, you have your lunch, you eat, watch a movie or something, you have some dinner, then it starts getting dark, and then by the time you fall asleep, you wake up and you arrive at the same time as you left. It's fucking, <laughs> <it's> fucking weird. <laughs> how, That's how, how it goes. How bad is the jet lag? Because, you know, one of the things I've heard from other podcasts, uh, and I think, like, Dio was especially notorious for this in, in interviews I've heard with people who used to hang out with Dio, is, you know, when you have the bad jet lag, instead of falling asleep like your body wants to the the i guess the trick is is you just power through it and and try to stay up until the normal bedtime wherever it is you're you're at yeah that's what we try and do usually but i I find the jet lag on the way over isn't that bad it's more on the way home Uh um for some reason i don't know i guess because you kind of when you're on the way over you you know looking forward to doing some shows and and playing and stuff and and then uh, on the way back, it's sort of like it's over and you kind of, you know, <laughs> post-tour depression kicks in and you're uh, sort of, uh, you know, end up in bed for like three or four days <laughs> trying to catch up on sleep and stuff. So, yeah, that's sort of usually how it works for me. I'm not too bad on the way over, really. Something that, you know, also is kind of interesting, and I don't remember if we talked about this when you guys stayed here because my wife at the time was watching that terrible Real Housewives of uh, Melbourne and it had like the, oh, right. the wife of uh, the drummer from Silverchair in it, and that was the only reason I was slightly interested in watching it because I was like, "Oh, maybe they'll have Silverchair stuff going on." But no, that dude's I just didn't. a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, they don't play much anymore. <laughs> um, but something that was kind of interesting to me, and like I said, I was trying to remember if I actually asked you this was, you know, do you get a lot of people who just assume that? living out in Australia, it's like the best because it's where everyone always wants to go on a vacation at some point in their lives. Um, I don't know. I think it's the thing that I've found the most with people that aren't from Australia is that they have this sort of weird perception that it's just like snakes and spiders and uh, all this dangerous stuff. Because I mean, literally you don't really see anything else about Australia on, you know, it's not like Australia features prominently on, you know, news in America or anything like that or in, in Europe or, or anywhere, really. Um, so, but when you do see it, you know, it's like someone like Steve Irwin or, um, you know, Crocodile Dundee. Or <laughs> so people think it's like, yeah, snakes and dangerous stuff and, and all that when really, you know, it's just sort of, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's a, obviously the landscape and everything is a little bit unique and different to anywhere else in the world, but, you know, for the most part, it's 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 pretty pretty much the same. You know, it's it's not too bad. And yeah, there's not that many snakes and spiders and stuff. <laughs> if, you go, look, if you want to look for them and 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 go out to the places where they actually are, then you'll find them. But um, you know, it's not uh, it's not the percent. You know, I've had so many people from America say, "Oh man, I'm never going to Australia. No way." You know, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. 
we're we're quite happy down here. It's fine. You, you do what right. you got to do. But yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's actually a really good place to live. You know. You know something that that's been interesting for me being a fan of a lot of music and especially in the day and age now with the internet being what it is and being able to basically have a, a, a bound boundaryless area to be able to find music like i remember a handful of years ago finding this band dream on dreamer i think they're from they're not from melbourne i'm trying to remember exactly where they're from yeah. over there I, i've heard of them i know i, I know I, um, yeah i've heard the name yeah but it's one of those things where you know i remember listening to it and being like wow this sounds like any can like as good or better than some of the contemporary like metalcore that was coming out and so yeah. I, I just assumed they were probably getting a lot of offers to you know, tour Europe, tour the States intermittently and so forth. And it's been pleasantly surprising to see that they basically don't ever leave the coast of Australia. Like, I think they've done maybe one small European tour over the last handful of years. But, you know, it, something that in talk, seeing Marcel, their singer, you know, just constantly talking about how hard it is to actually get out of, you know, off of, out of Australia as a band, especially a heavier band. And, it, you know, it kind of made me start thinking when I knew we were going to do this conversation of just, you know, how hard is it, you know, as a band when you start knowing that potentially, like, the furthest you're ever really going to go is where you live, like, the, the, the area that you live in. Yeah. I mean, and then, <laughs> and then with Australia as well, it's like if you want to go and play somewhere else, like, oh, in it's, a different city, yeah. Oh, yeah. if you want to go and play, like, from Melbourne to Sydney, that's... You know, um, it's a, probably about a 10-hour drive, right? Uh, an hour and a bit flight, and then, you know, Brisbane's twice that. Yeah. And then, you know, Adelaide's the same, and, uh, and Adelaide's not even, a like, a, a big city, really, like, in, in, in the grand scheme of things. And then Perth is, like, right on the other side of the country, so it's, like, you know, going from Miami to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, it, it's, 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 it's a tough place to tour, man. But it's also – it's I think I've found it for us, it's been a really good sort of testing ground mm-hmm. because we've we've done a lot of tours in the U.S. and Europe and, um, and we really learned how to tour in Australia before we got over – to the other um, places and and, um, and and cut our teeth out there as well. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing country to tour. And, and we recently actually had the guys from Childbite out in Australia and we did this massive East yeah. Coast tour with them. We went all the way up to Cairns, which is right up the north end of Australia. You know, it's almost Indonesia. <laughs> and... Uh, and um, and we did like 24 shows in a month, which is basically unheard of, really, like for bands like King Parrot or Childbite, you know what I mean? It's not right. something that bands like us would ever try and do. Um, <laughs> but um, it went so well, man. It was amazing. It was just really cool. And, and obviously, we've you know got a bit of a connection with, with Michigan and and the, and the child bike guys who have been really great friends of ours for for many years now and um, it was we just if they were going to come out and do it we wanted to show them everything so and and I think they got that experience you know they got the Melbourne you know where Melbourne's kind of hipster city and cool and um, you know lots of music and and they got a bit of that and they got heaps of the coast. And they got to see far north Queensland and, you know, Sydney and the beaches up along um, the central New South Wales coast as well. So that was really, really cool. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess, you know, like 
there is plenty of Australian bands. Getting back to your original question, there's plenty of Australian bands that don't actually, yeah, leave. They don't. They don't really have to. Right. Um, you know, it all depends what kind of music you're playing too. I guess. Um, is there you know, a, a lot of? I'm sorry. Go on. So uh, go on. Sorry. I was just gonna say, is is there much of a scene really out there, like in the, in the different pockets? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, Melbourne is definitely the musical capital of. Um, where, where we're from is definitely the musical capital of Australia, and there's a huge uh, punk scene. There's a huge metal scene. Um, there's shows on pretty much every night of the week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so you can go and, you know, see something, you know, and, and lots of bands are touring out here now. Like, the, even the touring market is, is probably a little bit saturated, but um, but people keep going out to shows, and I guess that's the one good thing for, for us musos is that, you know, they can't take that live experience away from us. I'm sure they'll find some way but <laughs> in the future but but uh but people still love going out and seeing bands and buying merch so that's great but there's a really good scene in australia absolutely it's it's amazing and um yeah it's just another little thing it's a, it's it's a world unto itself and yeah there's only a small very small handful of bands that actually get the opportunity to go overseas and tour and i guess that was one of our things from the beginning was with king parrot is that we play this sort of style of music, which is kind of grindcore, kind of thrash, kind of, you know, it's got a, you know, got some punk influences in there as well. And um, that, for us, that was a, an amalgamation of, of a lot of bands that we were influenced by from the Australian scene back when we were sort of coming up through the 90s and the early 2000s. And, and we wanted to make a, a band that had a sound that was sort of, a, had that distinct Australian uh, flavour to it, but also the pretty intense energy and and, um, and try and tour that overseas. That was one of our goals, uh, was to try and get it out there to like to the international market because there was a, a lot of bands that we loved, absolutely loved and adored, but they never actually made it out of Australia. Mm-hmm. So a couple of them did, but um, the one one band that I'm thinking of in particular um, is a band called Damaged, who were just a phenomenal band. Um, and we actually had their drummer playing for us for a little while, okay. um, yeah, years ago. Um, but yeah, if you ever get the chance to check them out, man, they were a really special band, but they never actually got the opportunity to leave Australia. So that was sort of one of our things was like, yeah, I mean, let's, let's do a band that's, that's ours. that's unique. that's influenced by this Aussie stuff, you know, as well as other stuff, but it's really got this heavy Aussie influence and let's try and take that out to the to the world scene and see what we can do with it because we we felt like those bands that we loved back in the 90s and stuff in the early 2000s were just as good as any bands getting around it's just they just you know the world was a harder place to tour even back then it's it's still hard to tour but right um, even back then it was even harder i guess you know yeah you know i kind of wondered you know with the the sort of separation of where you guys are geographically from the rest of the world as far as touring goes do you feel like it creates a shorter album cycle because you're maybe you're not able to tour in the traditional sense like a lot of other bands where it's like oh we have two years of us you know writing a you know supporting a record after writing it and then touring all over for a year and a half or so and then you know going back in to do another record do you do you think that that's a, a thing or was that just kind of a, a weird thing? Maybe I <laughs> thought of just because of the, uh, 
the geographical location of where you guys are being cut off? Uh, um, I think we've done we've done we've tried to do an album every couple of years um, since we sort of started, um, but and then you know we've had tours. We've probably toured more in the U.S. and Canada than we have in Europe, but um, uh, I guess it just depends on the opportunities that arise. You know, we're probably not a like a bona fide headlining band in the U.S. or or Europe. Um, so, you know, maybe down the track that'll change. That'll be great if it did, because it would give us a little bit more. Um, scope as to what we could actually do. I mean, we could probably like you know play really small clubs if we headlined and, and had had some other cool you know smaller bands with us. But um, you know we've kind of been at the liberty of, of bigger bands that we've had the opportunity to tour with. And obviously, being on Housecore Records, we've toured a bunch with um you know with Phil's bands like Down and Superjoint and uh, this one coming up with the Illegals and. Child Bite, we've obviously done a bunch of stuff with, but we, you know, we've also had the opportunity to tour with bands like um, Soulfly and um, Obituary and Exodus and Prong and Weed Eater, Cattle Decapitation, um, Voivod. So, yeah, we've had some varied experiences, but I guess, you know, it's just a, more about, you know, booking agents and having the planets aligning so that, you know, when your album comes out, you can have these opportunities to go on tour and obviously there's tours happening all the time but um i mean we just we just do what we do we try and stay productive try and stay active and um you know we like to play a lot in australia too we've got a really good fan base we are like a, probably a, a headlining band in australia so we can sort of more uh dictate where we play in australia and and, and where and when um right and uh we can also uh, um play in some strange smaller places <laughs> that most international bands would never go and see and that's what we wanted to take child bite to go and do on this last tour that we did with them was to take them to all these like small little towns where the shows are a little bit smaller and and stuff but the people don't get that many shows coming through there so when when a band does come through on a tour or whatnot they come and check it out and they uh and they really enjoy it and appreciate it so um, yeah, even having an American band go to some of those places that we went to was um, was quite a uh, quite a treat for them. You know, I, I kind of wondered with you know Soundwave Festival being gone now, it, it seemed like okay. Soundwave was a very big had a very big impact on your musical scene out there, and and that's just from an outsider's perspective because it it seemingly mixed a lot of your local band local to the the continent or whatever the country to uh, mm-hmm. to you know, on a bigger scale like that while playing along with some of, you know, the, the bigger bands everywhere else. And you know, it kind of makes me wonder from just seeing the variety, because it seems like metal and, and, and all the metal punk, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, the fringe kind of genres that aren't pop music. It seems like a festival like that, you know, would put you guys with someone like maybe a Parkway Drive or, or things like that, where mm. you, that festival seemed to very much support any of its own kind as far as like local to the area. And I kind of wonder, you know, have you noticed that without it being there, maybe kind of a a decline in a little bit of the, the reach that some of the bands that maybe are are ascending the ranks are able to get because of it not being there. Um, so with Soundwave festival, we were lucky enough to do it twice, uh, to it around Australia. Um, but the thing, 
uh, maybe the misconception that you got there is that they put a lot of Australian bands on it. And, and the fact of the matter was is that they didn't actually put that many Australian bands on it. Okay. Uh, there wasn't, you know. Like, I think the year when we, the years when we did it, they maybe had one local band play from oh, okay. each city. And then there was maybe like four or five Australian bands doing the whole tour. But that festival was massive, you know. Like, it had upwards of 50 bands, 50, yeah. 60 bands. Yeah. And they were mostly international bands. And, um, you know, whether or not that was... I mean, we're, we're lucky and grateful that we got the opportunity to do it. And, and it really helped us open up our audience in Australia, that's for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. It was uh, an amazing experience for us. But, um, yeah, maybe a misconception there overseas and stuff is that more Australian bands played it. But they, they actually didn't. You know, maybe the, like the top few bands that uh in australia got the opportunity but um yeah it wasn't really like that um <laughs> the thing the thing yeah, i mean it was an amazing festival though and it just sort of got to a point where it just i think it, it was so amazing those last few years and then they tried to the very last one they just tried to push it again and it just kind of didn't it just kind of flopped and and uh, it, it just it, it sort of took that one last one just to kind of kill it off which is a real shame um but in the wake of that there's been a whole bunch of festivals that have just popped up now and download oh yeah festival is here now yeah um and we we played download uh no it was this year it was in march yeah Yeah. so we played a download festival um that was the first one that they had and and it went really really well it was amazing it went so well um and uh, they're doing it again in Melbourne and Sydney next year. They're going to expand it again a little bit. And they're just trying to get something established again. It's not as crazy as <laughs> what Soundwave was. Right. Um, a little bit more, um, yeah, just a bit more, you know, well set out, well thought out, obviously run by people that have huge experience in doing festivals all around the world. Um, so yeah, it was a really great one to be involved with. And, you know, the first, being the first one, it was, it was killer. Um, but yeah, there's a few others that have popped up now as well. And there was another one that was just announced the other day, which I, it was, it's really huge as well. Um, I think the offspring are playing and a whole bunch of other bands. Um, not so many metal bands, but more sort of like punk bands and stuff. And, uh, there's another thing called Unify Festival, which is, um, more aimed at the sort of younger demographic, the sort of 15 to 25, right. with, you know, band, you know, bands like Parkway Drive and Amity Affliction and, and stuff like that. That, that, that. We, we have played that as well, but um, yeah, it's not necessarily our, <laughs> our, our audience, you know what I mean? But I mean, some of it crosses over, but yeah, we're not, King Parrot isn't exactly um, huge with the emo hardcore kids <laughs> well actually it is kind of funny you say that because i mean something that i thought was pretty cool and you mentioned some of the bands that you've had the privilege of of opening up for and touring with and yeah. one of the the interesting things because it came shortly after you were on that weed eater tour that came through here in gr was you know jesse leach becoming a very big sounding board for being a fan for you guys and telling people to check you out and then it kind yeah. of seemed like a lot of other people you know, of that kind of ilk and in that scene, that metalcore kind of scene or whatever, also we're singing your praises. And it's like, it's got to be 
pretty cool when someone that's you know admittedly more mainstream than you you know is kind of like hey man like check out this kind of underground band like they're really awesome like i think they should deserve the your attention oh yeah man it's been <laughs> when we first started out this band we, we had no intention of other other than just sort of mucking around in a jam room in melbourne <laughs> and, and and just making some grindcore and and that was that was pretty much the that was the intention that was it um but then as we got going you know things started to pick up and um we started to get a name for ourselves in the melbourne scene and then we got the opportunity to do a national tour where we played with some of the bigger aussie metal bands and stuff and (laughs) we by that stage we were really honing our live performance and Uh it was just really you know we would we were kind of, you know, without, for lack of a better term, we would kind of had this desperation about us that we were like, <laughs> we are going to be the nastiest band you've ever seen, you know, and um, and we did, and we made that reputation for ourselves um, just by bringing that energy and energy and humour to the to the show, right? And people kind of were like, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> and and it was just a bit different to what was going on in the scene. And, yeah, so like, and then we've had the element of our music, like there's obviously the music and then there's the music videos. So, um, and the music videos have always been lots of fun for us to make and, and that's really helped us sort of branch out and reach a broader audience as well. It's funny you bring that up, the music videos and the music. Uh, I have a co-host, but unfortunately he has to uh, work right now, so he wasn't able to, to be on this chat. But I asked him if he wanted me to ask you something. That's a very redundant sentence, but... Uh, he actually wanted me to ask you, do you make the music videos with a comedic angle because you feel like that people can't have serious subject matter in, in your music? Well, let me make sure I'm asking that right. If the comedic angle of their videos ever makes them feel like they can't have serious subject matter in the music. There we go. Uh, no, no, we just do what <laughs> whatever we want. Um, yeah, we just do whatever we feel like doing, you know. Um and it's just another outlet for us to be creative and explore stupid ideas and right. and fun, you know. And I think the whole idea of making a music video is fun for us, right? And that's sort of definitely our part of our angle. The live show is its own thing, and it's sort of probably <laughs> a bit more intense yes. than yeah, but. I think that's just sort of what we go for. It's sort of intense and it's sort of funny and a bit lewd and a bit weird. And that's sort of, they're all the elements of music that we like and that we want to incorporate into what our band is. So um, we kind of don't, as long as it fits those kind of categories, there's no actual rules around it. As long as it's, you know, as as long as it's kind of absurd. Um, we're down with it. <laughs> I think I blew his mind when I told him what Slats' actual job is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I was yep. like, well, I've been wanting to get Slats on for a while to talk about his, his actual day job in juxtaposition against <laughs> what he does in this band and how you see him when if you see him at a show. And he was like, oh, what does he do? I was like, he's a consultant for a really big company. And he goes, what? And I go, oh, yeah, he's in, like, business magazines over there. Like, I follow him on LinkedIn. He goes, on LinkedIn? I go, yeah, we're friends on LinkedIn. And he goes, what the fuck? And I go, yeah, you don't expect to find someone in a band on LinkedIn for their real profession, like the, their real big boy job. And I go, but yeah, when yeah. I learned that, it just it somehow seemingly made more sense 
the band and, and everything about it because I was like, well, yeah, of course you want to do something like this when your day job is so like cookie cutter by the numbers and, and all that kind of shit. It's like, well, of course you'd want to let loose and just be completely on the other side of things. <laughs> yeah, man. He, Slats is an intelligent guy, you know, and he's very talented and he's, uh, he's very talented not only as a musician, but uh, obviously also as an actor and, a, um, you know, he oh, does lots of different, he does lots of different stuff over here, you know, yeah. like he's, he's been in like commercials and <laughs> lots of different things, you know, and it's, I think, you know, King Parrot's been a really good vehicle for him to be able to explore everything that he's good at. Right. And, uh, and, and you know, including, you know, as well as all this acting stuff. And we just kind of stumbled across it, you know. It wasn't even by, <laughs> it wasn't by design, that's for sure. It was just more of a thing when we, when we did that shit on the liver video where right. we, were, we, we just had this idea and it came up and it, and it worked out and it went really, really well. So, and, and then we just sort of kept going from there and now we've kind of got this body of work of videos which is which is really cool and um you know something that we can always look back on and go and and keep adding to as well as as the band um progresses but you know it's like oh you know people go oh you know check out king parrot you got to see their videos you know it's like that uh, that's a great that's a great thing for us and and we we love doing that we love being creative in other ways other than just music because you know it's it's life you know it's it's, there's so much so many different elements to everything and and we love being creative and it's not obviously slats and i really love that part of it it's not necessarily the other guys in the band's (laughs) part but but myself and slats doesn't end up becoming an underwear model as a result of his time in king parrot then i feel like that's an opportunity missed <laughs> yeah, no, Squiz is actually Squiz has actually come into his own a little bit with it. He uh he was a bit shy at the start, but I think when we did that home is where the gutter is video where he was the homeless guy. Right. Um he really I, I thought he did a really good job on that. It was awesome. I was really um I was really proud of the way that he sort of took to it because he was really quite nervous. And we we're like, "Man, we're going to make you the main, the main guy in this one. You got to fucking shine, dude!" And he, and he did. He did really well. So, um, yeah, that was that was heaps of fun that video. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like going back to what you were saying before, I was like, those things, just those little points of difference. I think that's probably what's endeared us to you know to guys like um, you know Jesse Leach and. Um, you know, Randy Blythe and, and Max Cavalera and, and Bill Anselmo and guys like that have, that have all been massive um, supporters of our band. Um, you know, it's sort of, <laughs> it's just been bizarre that they, uh, <laughs> that, that guys like that would, you know, give a shit about a grindcore band from Melbourne, you know, it's, and give us the opportunities that, you know, they've given us as well. So... I'm going to kind of ask this one question. It's something I've thought of for a while, even when I was trying to do the thing with slats and I kind of wanted to have a more serious convo with him initially. And if you don't want to answer this, I totally understand, but it's just something, like I said, I've been sitting on for a while and just thinking, you know, as someone who listens to a lot of industry side podcasts, you know, with band managers and, and so forth, there's a lot of interesting things that get brought up that, you know, you'd, I don't know if we as fans think of, you know, necessarily affecting a band, affecting a tour, affecting the bottom line, basically. Mm. And something that was very interesting to me 
is, and I'm not going to go into obviously the details of the whole thing with Phil from a while ago, but okay. the thing about that that interested me was, was there ever a point where as a person on his label being associated with him as a business that you were worried that it was going to affect your business at that point? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. When it all happened and the, the shit storm kind of happened, we were, you know, obviously first thing we did was reach out to them and just say, Hey, is there, are you guys okay? Cause they're really, really good friends of ours. Right. Um, they've been huge supporters of our band and hugely generous to us and given us so many opportunities. So when I saw it, I was just like, holy shit, this is not good. <laughs> this is really bad. Yeah. This is really bad. And then I stood back and I looked at it and I went, well, he's clearly off his face. You know, he's clearly wasted. He's clearly something stupid. Um, is my friend okay? Right. And, and uh, that you know, and then obviously he had a lot of shit going on with all with all that. But um, yeah, I, I think everyone makes mistakes and everyone uh, stuffs up. And, and hearing uh, him apologize and explain what happened and and how it sort of happened and how it was obviously he said what he said, and there's no mistake in what he said, but. Right in the context of what was going on and all that. And I don't, you know, I'm not apologizing or excusing it or whatever it was. You just wouldn't say something like that, but in the context of what was happening and what was happening on the night and what, you know, I was like, okay, you were really wasted and you said something really, really stupid. And, and he apologized for it. He owned it. And I believe that he's made some significant changes to his life now that, um, he's living his amends for it. Right. And I don't think that's huge, you know, that's huge. And, um, yeah, I guess for us, it was, I mean, we're, we're, uh, sort of not really on the same sort of scale in terms of popularity. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've definitely had lots of questions about it and people asking us about it and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I always just try and, uh, you know, I, he he is apologized. He said he was deeply sorry for what he said. He was taken out of context and he was blind drunk. Right. Um, you know, I think I don't think he. I don't. As far as I know, he doesn't drink anymore. So that's that's a huge amends to make. And and um, I would say if he wasn't drunk when all that shit happened, that he probably wouldn't have said that. Right. Um, and so. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 a real touchy one, but I um, yeah, it's it's it was it was a big mistake, and and I but I think he's uh, he's apologised and he's he's living his amends, which is, is to me as someone who is actually in recovery myself, um, and and doesn't drink or do drugs, you know, that's that's where you get your personal growth from, you know, if you can own that shit. And and say yeah I, I I fucked up and I'm sorry I apologize that's that's where the, that's where the growth is and and um and I think you know Phil's productivity and his commitment to um 
the music scene and the heavy scene and the you know supporting bands you know like how many bands has that guy given breaks to jesus christ like how many you know like bands like crowbar and i hate god and even like you know from back in the pantera days he's been a massive supporter of um of ghost (laughs) from you know like look at ghost now like he was one of the first people championing that uh, championing that band um uh so many bands and including my band as well he's really you know, people listen to what he says, and you know, Phil likes it. People listen to it. You right. Know, it's it's a fact. Um, so, I think about all the good stuff that he's done, and all the positive stuff that he's done, and all the amazing things that he's done. Sure, there's been heaps of fuck ups, heaps of mistakes, but he's not like a you know a, a sports person. He's in a metal band of course he's gonna fuck up yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know but but he, he uh, you know, the, the guy that i know is um you know very very uh supportive very generous um you know loves to give people opportunities loves to give people chances to um try and make a go of this whole music industry thing and he he you can only sort of keep what you've got and the legacy that you've built by by giving it away to others, and, and he's done that tenfold, and, and uh, I'll always um, respect and admire him for that. Yeah, I like I said, it, it's I've never asked anyone that question. There's been a handful of people I, I probably could have, but to me, it's just in the the way of the being in a business with him. It's like, I don't know, like, to me, like, that's just the weird fucked up thing whenever, sometimes, like, I always think of, like, the weird outside variable that people don't think about, and so to me, it was like, when that happened, I was like, well, shit, what's going on with this label? What's going on with the bands that are on his label? Are the bands getting any backlash? Like, just all this weird shit where I was like, it almost, the, the, I wasn't even focused at the the blast point almost, like, where the impact was. It was all the residuals, the ripple effect kind of, where I was like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And it's like... And it's like, that's kind of a weird thing for me to even do as a person, but it's just where my mind goes, where it's like, man, if I were in a band, I'd be like, fuck, are people going to be mad at us? And are people maybe going to come to our shows and be like, fuck your label and fuck these things? Because I mean, people find, I mean, as Randy is the <laughs> on Jamie Justice podcast and Randy is the vocalist on the, the jingle for it, but what's the outrage of the day? And it's like, I can see people being like, man, fuck King Parrot, they're on Housecore Records. I don't like them anymore. And it's like okay, like, that has nothing to do with our actual music or us as the people, but mm. okay, like, I guess that's where we're at. <laughs> I think that's more a commentary of where that person's at in their life, and if they can't see that and, and you know, like, people want to do that. People want to live like that. That's that's up to them, but, I, you know, like, I know personally that I can't live like that. That's not how I, I – if I live like that, I end up very unwell. Um <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, that's been my experience. So uh, it's important for me to uh, um, not be like that at all and, you know, have a bit of forgiveness and have a bit of understanding. And, you know, we got slammed by this one guy from this shit band in Melbourne who made this video, YouTube video and was carrying on about the whole thing. And oh, really? he absolutely slammed us and wanted us to respond. And I was like, you know what, fuck you, man, who are you? You're just trying to, you know, and it, coincidentally he had a, a single launch or a tour going uh. on that weekend and I was just like, 
And he's like, I want to know about King Perro, think about this and all this sort of shit. And people started bringing it to our attention. And I was just like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm not, I, he don't, I don't have to, resp- who do, I don't have to answer to this guy. Like, it wasn't, I didn't fucking say it. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, that's kind of the weird thing for me too, is like, like I said, I don't think, maybe it's just because I've been a manager and I've had to deal with like something like, oh, someone in the parking lot said something and I don't like it. So I'm going to come complain to you. And it's like, I, I'm sorry, the parking lot's not my, <laughs> my area. I can't control a non-employee and what they tell you or say to you. Like, I, yeah. I'm sorry, <laughs> but exactly. I think maybe because of that, I, I'm able to kind of go completely away from the the situation and think about how maybe it affects other people and it's just like i and and you know that was interesting thing too is when coming up with it it's like does it even affect you because i i don't know maybe it maybe people don't i would assume there's a lot of people who don't know that phil has a label and that has bands on it so i don't know but you're the first person (laughs) i've been able to talk to that's that's actually on the label and and kind of I mean, I know, like I said, I know the incident happened, what, over a year or so ago, but it's it's yeah. just been one that I've thought of, and it's like, this is the first opportunity I've really ever had to ask anyone and, and you know, about it, and, you know, I just want to take a split second for to say thank you for at least answering the question, because, I mean, like I said, as a fan and as someone who wonders, it's like, that I'm in a unique position to actually ask somebody a question that I've wanted to know the answer to for a while. And you totally could have just blown it off and been like, fuck you. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not touching that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> probably would have been easier, but, uh, you know, I guess, you know, if, if, you know, first, first and foremost, you know, like Phil's been, yeah, a friend and, and a supporter and someone that, you know, the first time I met him, he grabbed me and he was, he was a fan of our band Right. You know, it was like what did, it didn't matter trip. about. Yeah, it was. It was a real trip. There was that Soundwave actually, and you know we were sort of that, that was sort of you know we hadn't played overseas yet or anything like that. We were sort of just sort of getting our legs, and we were playing that first sound, uh, the first Soundwave that we did, and and um, we had played with I Hate God before, and I met Jimmy Bauer and and right. Mike and stuff, and and they were kind of like, oh, you guys are nuts, and we were like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess, <laughs> and, uh, but I think Jimmy and, and Mike had passed on our details to Phil, and I'd had some emails with him and stuff, and um, and I'd sent him a t-shirt and stuff, and when we got to Soundwave, Phil was wearing our t-shirt, and you know, he was, uh, he was super excited to meet us, and I was like, Dude, I've been a huge fan of yours for a long, long, long time. <laughs> you know, since I was a little kid. You know, and uh, and then that day, like we were the next thing we knew, like a couple of hours later, we were up on stage with Down jamming in front of like ten or twenty thousand people, and you know they're throwing us their guitars, and we were jamming, playing um, "Bury Me in Smoke" with them. It, <laughs> it was like, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> And um, and then yeah, since there, I guess you know, going back and forth from the states, and then uh, we spent a lot of time with them, and and obviously signed to Housecore. We've done, we've recorded out there now as well, and um, yeah, it's like we, he's a big part of you know our story, and the the, the fact that we've been able to sort of um, actually even have a business and have a brand, a, a band, like you know, and and all that sort of stuff in in the US, and um, you know, obviously there's hardcore followers of housecore records and stuff all over the world so um that has been you know um something that we've been 
given by him, you know. Like, we, we now have a fan base all around the world because of our affiliation with him, um, as well as the music, I would like to think, as well. But he's definitely helped us spread our wings a lot. So, I mean... Pardon the pun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, uh, you know, touring with Phil, you guys are getting ready to embark on uh, the upcoming Illegals tour. And uh, that's going to culminate in a stop at Berserker Fest. Uh, Basically, that was the whole reason I wanted to have you guys on and some other people from the festival to kind of do pre-coverage for the Berserker Fest. I think this is your second time playing it? This is our first time playing it, man. Yeah, we've oh, never done okay. it. Uh, yeah, but we're really stoked. And obviously, Sean from Childbite is a really good friend of mine. And um, yeah, he's been like, oh, man, you got to do it before confess. And it just hasn't happened. And then this year, it was like, okay, it's happening now. Unreal. Great. Brilliant. So, yeah. So I gotta, I gotta say, I will be severely disappointed if, if the three-headed beast uh, doesn't happen during the illegal set. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Roctopus. <laughs> oh, is that... <laughs> See, I thought when I called it the three-headed uh, beast or whatever, I was like, oh, at least I gave it a name. I didn't know it had an actual name. Yeah, it's the Ruptopus. <laughs> that is even – you know what? Sean, Sean is a graphic designer. I should text him when we're done and be like, if you don't have Roctopus shirts at Berserker Fest, you fucked up. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, we, I can definitely, I, we can definitely do something like that, I'm sure. I'm, uh, I'm always up for some uh, shenanigans. Oh man, that was. It, I just saw that video get posted by like, cause a, a friend of mine on Facebook posts like random bullshit off of the internet, like sort of like memes, basically. But the funny thing is, is he posted the video of the three of you doing that. I don't remember where it was from, cause a bunch of videos were posted from that tour. And I think Sean got tagged in it. And then I was just like, I go, if this doesn't happen at Berserker Fest, I will be severely disappointed. <laughs> hopefully man yeah I'm, I'm always up for it so yeah that was fun yeah that was i think that was with uh that was with super joint maybe a year uh, or two yeah, ago yeah yep that was a super joint yep. that's right yeah um, so kind of in wrapping up i mean you know you got berserker fest you got this this uh tour with phil and the illegals coming up uh, you know, it's I, I know it's not been a, a long time since uh, Ugly Produce came out, but are you already starting to work on what potentially could be the next EP or the next uh, album for you guys? Yeah, yeah, we've I, we've pretty much got half of the album written, and I think after we do this tour, we're going to spend a little bit of time. We're hanging back in the states for another week and a half, two weeks, and um, we're going to be in the studio just writing and and recording our ideas and. And stuff like that. So I'm hoping that we will have basically the the skeleton of a of an album um, uh, by the time we leave the states uh, mid October. So and should have everything at least demoed and and done, uh, you know, rough. Um, so yeah, there's there's lots of ideas. We've been throwing lots of ideas around. There's lots of uh, cool songs that we've got that that. that uh, will be sh- will shape the next album so um but we've still got a little bit of work to do but yeah maybe next year or the year after i think we're just going to take our time a little bit with this next one and um we sort of we, we banged out three albums in pretty sort of rapid succession mm-hmm. um you know every couple of years and just two it non-stop but um i think we sort of we're getting a little bit pickier i guess maybe with the, with the tours that we're doing and um, of not doing it as much, but just doing it a little bit, probably maybe a little bit smarter, I okay. suppose. So that when, when we do do it, that it, it's, they're really good ones. And, 
Um, obviously, any, any opportunity that we get to the tour with like uh, house core stuff is, is always a really great opportunity. And um, you know, the thing is, we have a great following in Australia, and we can play really good shows here and and do all that stuff as well. And um, yeah, I guess you know, going back to all that business stuff as well, it's like it's 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 hard enough playing grindcore just to do it (laughs) but let alone run it as a business business. (laughs) that makes a profit and it pays for everyone to do everything it's that's been super challenging for us and um you know when you're on the other side like if we were in america it'd probably be a bit easier with the with the touring aspect because you can play in so many cities and so many places but it's not quite like that in australia but um it's still we still have heaps of fun we still love doing it um but i guess we're not you know we don't feel the need to be on the road for six to nine months of the year anymore (laughs) um it's sort of been like ah maybe that's it's really helped us get our name out there on an international kind of level but um yeah i think we're just sort of pulling back and just doing the really good tours doing the really trying to do the really good stuff and and just sort of being a little bit more strategic and planning it uh, maybe a little bit yeah yeah <laughs> not to say that we weren't before because we had to be to even get it to that point Definitely. to begin with but but um but yeah we just sort of yeah just i've just felt like it's just been it's just felt just felt like the right thing to do um just to just pull back just a little bit and let's just try and iron out a few creases here and there and um and and get this thing sort of move you know we've put so much work into it already so it's like let's just make sure our next step the next record and everything is is the best thing that we do and give ourselves the best chance to to make a record that that we're really really super proud of not to say that we're not proud of the other ones but um this next one is is i, I just got i've got this feeling about it that it's going to be really good and it's going to be a big step in the right direction for us. So I just want to make sure that when we do that, that it's, um, it, it, we do it right. You know, we work with the right people and, and we get the right things in place to, to give our chance ourselves the best chance of, of keeping this going forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, definitely looking forward to, to catching you guys. Like I said, at Berserker Fest, uh, hopefully, I, I think I'm going to try to do some interviews while I'm there. So maybe I'll get to actually cool. talk, to, talk to Phil. I don't know. Um, that's my goal. That's like the, the, the goal of Berserker Fest is to uh, just catch as many sets as I can from everybody and then hopefully get Phil and some other sweet bands uh, on to do mini chats real quick. Maybe you could talk to Phil and Slats together. That would be pretty funny. Actually, you know, I was thinking, I was, and I was going to prose this to you. I, have, I actually have it written down as like a quick note. That I was like, it'd be fun to get the three-headed beast, as I was calling it, on to do a quick chat. Because I mean, it's like the three band, like the three of you, you know, all talking, <laughs> and like I could just, I mean, I could ask you probably collectively six questions each, but I'm getting like, you know, a shitload of answers between the three of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that plus, could you, work you guys have all have have toured together quite a bit. That it's like, I'm sure, even if I if I were to come up with very generic questions to ask you that you guys would all be able to be like, oh, well, remember that one time we were on this tour and, and blah, blah, blah happened? And it'd be like, okay, like, it's almost like I ask you an easy question and the three of you probably would just go off and, and give me glorious content to listen to. Uh, so <laughs> I've been I've been kind of thinking about doing that and prosing that, uh, but it's just a matter of, you know, making sure that, uh, 
A, you would even want to do another one of these, uh, or anybody in the band for that matter. But um, I'm down with it, man. I'm down for it. Very excited to see you guys uh, on this tour coming up with Phil and the Illegals, Philip Sam- Philip H. Anselmo and the Illegals, and uh, playing at Berserker Fest in Detroit. Uh, a lot of great bands, Battlecross, Phil and the Illegals, Childbite. Uh, uh, actually, a band I am really looking forward to seeing is Sean's new project with Jeff Tuttle from X Dillinger Escape Plan. Apparently they started a new grind project that I will probably shit my pants over. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's Chuck Narcotic, right? Yeah. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah. And uh, I always like to end these episodes uh, with a song. So what would you like me to play the episode out to? And then where can people find you and or the band online? Uh, KingParrot.net or Facebook. That's that's where we're at. Um, and you, you, want me to, you want me to pick a song? Yep. Doesn't And by the way, it doesn't have to be one of yours. It could be just something maybe you've been jamming the last couple of days where you're like, fuck, this is a great song. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Um Oh, gee, man, you're putting me on the spot now. Well, I don't know if you've got any... Uh... Oh, man. Basically, if it can be found on uh, YouTube, that's, that's... I'm good. <laughs> hey, play me some Poison Idea, man. Play me play me. Uh, uh, Alan's on Fire. I like that song. Okay. Well, thank you again for taking the time to do this. Uh, safe travels on your flight over here to the States. And uh, for anybody who is listening to this, uh, Catch King Pair out with Philip H. Anselmo and the Illegals. And uh, if you are anywhere in the Midwest, please come out to Berserker Fest. It's basically an all-day festival that will blow your mind full of how awesome their, the music is. You're going to find a new band that you love. And if you, have for some reason, are listening to this and have never heard King Parrot, well, fix that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> again, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time, and I'm looking forward to hanging out in a couple of weeks. Thanks, man. We appreciate your support. Cheers. Cheers. So that was my chat with Matt Young, vocalist for King Parrot. Dan, what did you think of that conversation? Since sadly you couldn't be a part of it. Dude, it was a pretty sexy conversation, man. I know. I kept getting lulled in by that Australian accent. Oh, my God. It's just, like, so rugged and manly. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, no, I thought it was cool. Definitely a lot of tour talk. Uh, I really liked your question about, you know, um, about, you know, what, what happened with Phil and the Dime Bash and all that stuff and, his response was very much like, yeah, you know, I mean, I was worried about it, but I was more worried about Phil yeah, as a person, you know, and I yeah. thought that was a pretty, pretty decent thing to say for sure. Well, I think like the hard thing was, and, and, you know, we, we already posted at the time of this episode airing, we already posted the chat with uh, Joey Gonzalez of Super Joint Ritual, as well as uh, Philip H. Anselmo and the Illegals. And I asked him the same thing, but I gave you these interviews out of, order i actually did this interview first and as you heard me say in the joey episode i i had referenced the the conversation with matt a couple of times and it's one of those things to me like i said um some people can can and will probably think i'm just trying to bait people into a hot button issue to try to get listens and all that kind of shit but like i said you can't listen to some of these podcasts on you know Band management, managemental being one of them. Uh, and, you you know, it's hard to listen to some of these behind-the-scenes podcasts and stuff like that where you talk about the business side of the music business yeah. and not start thinking about how this, this person – because, I mean, what the thing with Phil is here's a man going on saying something, and, and now the whole rock metal music industry is 
deciding how they feel about this person who also runs a label. So how does that not affect the, the roster of musicians on his label? How does that not affect the person that is in not one but two bands with this person? And honestly, and, and very much piggybacking off of what Joe Joey said, no media outlets reached out to any of these people who have known this person more more so and worked with him more on a one-on-one than just about anybody else. I mean, you can tour with somebody, and, and maybe you get an idea of who they are, but when you're really getting into the shit with the person, you know, writing a record and really getting to know that person, I I think there's a difference there than just what someone might think casually as a, as a, a quote-unquote friend or acquaintance. And so to me, it was one of those things where I've been wondering that since this happened over a year ago. And for the most part, with the injury to Phil, you know, with Super... Uh, sorry, not Super Joint. Not with... Uh, and with Philip H. and Selma and the Illegals, you know, putting out a new record, and, and there's some stuff in there that seemingly addresses some of that stuff uh, head on. Mm-hmm. And But then Phil got injured, so he wasn't able to tour, so there wasn't a whole lot of press coming out around then. And and same with King Parrot. You know, they've kind of been under wraps a little bit too. So seemingly the whole anyone associated this closely with Phil, no one has either asked the question or no one has thought to ask the question. And to me, that is the more interesting question to ask about it because it's not the, do you think Phil's a racist? It's like, no. How does how does the actions of one individual affect the many? Or if they even do. Right. Well, and, you know, not to jump back to our previous uh, interview that was actually done after the one we're talking about now. Uh, that's <laughs> confusing. Uh, you know, like what Joey said was that, you know, you really only have a snippet of what happened. And what what you were seeing was somebody that was drunk off their ass very late at night, should not have had a microphone at that point. That was my biggest And said some fucked up too. shit. And I understand, I judged Phil very harshly on that. You know, like, I was one of them. Like, you listen to their, you know, their song that was about basically about that incident. I'm like, it's almost like they're singing to me and all the shit that I talked on it, you know, like. And, you know, some, I've gone back and forth since that interview on how I feel about it. I'm not 100% one way or the other yet on it, but, um but I, what I do like about talking to these guys that are a little bit more closely associated with Phyllis, they're like, you guys are definitely getting the wrong picture. Yeah. Because if Phil was making their lives a living hell and he was really that big of an asshole, he wouldn't have such good friends. No. You know, because I know a lot of people, you know, know them and I'm not friends with anymore because of shit like that. You know what I mean? You're just hanging out and having a beer one night and the guy's like, you know what? I think uh, Hitler kind of had a point. Like you stop hanging out with that dude, you know, and so <laughs> if that if that were the case, you know, why would you know why would he have such a strong support system, you know? Right. Yeah. No, I I definitely agree. And you know, I and I know I said this. Uh, I know I said this off off the off record uh, to both Matt and Joey. Um, but, you know, I just want to publicly put it out there. You know. I want to thank them both for actually not dodging the question, not being short with the answers they gave, but really going in and addressing the issue legitimately and honestly. And to me, I think that's really commendable. And I think that speaks to the friendship and the the level of care and concern that they have for Phil as a person, not as a boss, not as as the performer, 
but as the friend that they all know. And to me, I think that's what I really took away from both of their answers was just like you said, there's the guy that we may think we know based on, you know, people like Rob Flynn and so forth speaking louder than everybody when everyone else is kind of not speaking because they're more worried about the bigger issue at hand. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, if, if he had just basically been like, fuck you, you know, I don't want to answer that question. What are you getting at? What are you trying to say? Right. That would have, that would have just made it worse. Like that would have just nailed the, put the final nail in the coffin, (laughs) you know, so to speak you would realize that like oh shit this is actually still a hot button issue but it sounds to me like they're just trying to work through it they're like yep this shit happened and i'm sorry you feel that way but here's our new shit check it out you know well on top of that i mean if you've seen the recent photos and live footage of uh phil performing he looks great right now like he looks like a person who has stopped drinking found purpose again and is just I mean, I'm not going to say he's back to, like, 92 Pantera era, like, just shredded <laughs> Phil, but, I mean, he looks really good because I saw him in the last couple of years, and I was like, man, what happened? I mean, I, right. I I mean, I get it. Like, I can show you a photo from about 10 years ago, and I have about 70 pounds more on me than I did then. So, I mean, I fucking get it. Shit happens. But the thing right. is, is, like, it's a little bit different when I, I guess there's a lot more pressure heaped on you to be a certain thing or, you know, I don't have people going, like – constantly pulling up photos of me from you know my heyday and people going like why aren't you why don't you look and sound like this and it's like because i'm older <laughs> right right but no i'm uh i i did like to ask, i i enjoyed asking your question i don't know if i asked it as as well as you would have <laughs> i don't know if i would have asked it the way i texted it to you you know but uh you know it definitely his answer was interesting i was like no we we do this to have fun and I, I don't think we do it just to, you know, I guess what I was actually getting at was let's say King Parrot decide, like, let's say they have some kind of horror, like, of course we don't want this to ever happen, but let's say that there's some sort of sort of horrible tragedy where they feel like they need to address it. Maybe it's a personal tragedy or personal feelings or something or other. And they decide to get damn serious about something. I guess the question I was asking is, do you think King Parrot as a band would be able to go in a more serious direction and it be received well by fans? Which is kind of a kind of a really weird hypothetical question to ask. But it, I, it's always kind of made me wonder with bands that do funny videos like that, they, they kind of get more well known for, for being kind of a fun band. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, like, well, what happens when a fun band goes serious? Like what if what if fucking you know bro job decided one day that they were gonna do a fucking you know serious song, you know it's just, I I've always been curious as to like how that would go you know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I you I think you can look to a band like Killswitch. I think they ride that that line very well of being funny performers and being funny people. I mean, look at the video for, I, I mean, I guess even in due time. But I was gonna say. Uh, Holy Diver. I mean, that's just a tongue-in-cheek fun video. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then if you even go to In Due Time, like, you know, it's a, it shows behind-the-scenes stuff, and people are, are laughing and having fun, and, you know, you can tell that these guys enjoy being around each other and joking and shit, but on the same time, like, when it comes when it comes down to making the music, they're fucking serious as shit, and they can write a, a serious song, like, always, or, I mean, honestly, just about anything that they've done. But, I mean, I think that's 
that's one of the few bands I can think of if you want to look to a, a typical band that's shows both sides of their the spectrum of being funny while also being serious about the music. And I think King Parrot could do it because, like I, we were saying in the intro, like you know, Slats is a, a business person. He's a professional, and all of these guys are professionals. And I think if it really came down to it, they would figure out maybe a way to put their own twist on it, but it would still be undeniably King Parrot at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, and uh, to just end, you know, to throw end that thought, I think he is legend is a good example of that. Where very true, super fun band, but lyrics are serious. You know, sometimes yes, <laughs> they're also a little they're also a little rapey, <laughs> a little creepy. I'll tell Skyler you said that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you should. That's that's what what we said on our original he is legend episode. We're like, yeah, they're cool, but their lyrics are kind of rapey. <laughs> um, well. We're going to kind of get this uh, episode kind of winding down. The chat was kind of long. We like these longer chats, uh, but we like to keep these outros and intros a little bit shorter for you. Be respectful of your time. If you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can at thebeanbastard.com. If you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, you can find Mosh Pit Nation at moshpitnation.com. Facebook at Mosh Pit Nation West Capital MI. Twitter and Instagram are simply Mosh Pit Nation. Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. You can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. <laughs> and uh, you can also uh, send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com. And if you would like to keep up with our other show sponsor, Good Company with Bowling, that's right, Scott Bowling down there in Atlanta, Georgia, where I may want to move one day and be home with my Atlanta Braves, who are currently in first place. Hallelujah. But Scott Bowling. Great dude. Head over to the discography discussion. Uh, he was recently at the Rock and Pod Expo, and Dan got to talk to this uh, this very visually stunning gentleman. And uh, he has perfect oh, yes. he has perfectly coiffed hair. I mean, uh, how can you not not like that? We were in the presence of greatness. Uh, you definitely were. Uh, but if you'd like to keep up with Scott Bowling, Good Company with Bowling, it is a webcast uh, visual interview thing with a lot of bands. He said at this point, most of the members of Fozzy. Uh, Jose Mangan's coming up, uh, Eddie Trunk, uh, Head from Corn. I mean, just so many great guests. Uh, if you are a fan of what we do over here, go over there and watch a real professional do it. Uh, you can keep up with them on Facebook at Good Company with Bowling, Instagram at Scott Good Company, or just simply go to the website scottgoodcompany.com and follow the links to get some goodness from Good Company with Bowling. And if you would like to keep up with the podcast, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Entitled Podcast. Uh, tweet at us at John's Entitled Pod and email us at John's Entitled Pod at gmail.com. And if you would be so kind as to donate monetarily, if that is a thing you would like to do, you can over at patreon.com slash John's Entitled Podcast. We are going to end this episode and actually record another one. I'll give you a clue. We're going over pop songs. Oh, yes. And uh, on that note, too, uh, if you would also like to rate, review, and subscribe, we're not going to give you the long shill on that. Just please fucking do it. Uh, it greatly helps. Don't Listen. think about it. Just, just do, do it. it. That, yeah, you've seen those Nike memes. That's what we're doing. Instead yeah. of some quote, just rate, review, subscribe, Nike swoosh, just do it. Hashtag and, JUP. Yeah, that's right. And uh, we're going to end this episode, as we always do, with a song. And as you heard Matt say, he wanted me to play it out to Poison Ideas, Alan's on Fire. So we're going to end it with that, and we will talk to you guys next time.